All right, Matthew chapter 25, uh, verse 14. I want to talk to 14, verse 3. Now, how many of you know the Word of God is living and active? Okay. Do you still need some coffee this morning? It's a little sedate in here. A little scary to me, all right? I mean, I know I'm a hyper guy, uh, generally. So, I, again, I'm an interactive preacher. I need you to react, even if you're just trying to entertain me. No, I'm just kidding about that. So, Matthew chapter 25, 14 through 20. And I know that this, this is a real theological to- topic. It says the, the sermon... distinctions. <laughs> the top ten distinctions between winners and whiners. I know that's real biblical. It really is. But I want to talk to you about how God has given us scouts skills, talents, and abilities, and we're to use them for His glory. Amen? Okay? You guys doing all right? So here's what we do. Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. It talks about the parable of the towns. Verse 14, it says this again. It will be like a man going on a journey who called the servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gain five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more, but the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in it, in the ground, and hid it, hid his master's money. So again, you, you maybe have heard this. Okay, so one receives how many talents? Five, and he does what? He doubles it. The next one receives how many? Two, and what does he do? The third one receives what? And what does he do with it? He hides it. Okay, now, is that smart? Probably not. Well, let's look at what else it says. Okay, so then verse 19. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled the counts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. Verse 21. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. Awesome, right? These guys are doing good. The master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Here we go. Verse 24. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered, So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it all back with interest. Verse 28, Take this talent, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray. Father, let your word of God, let the word of God speak to us this morning. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our minds. Speak to our spirits, God. Your word is life. And so, Lord, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so, Lord, I humble myself as your servant. I pray that I can bring your word to these awesome people that it would bring life to us that we can bring life to our families, our friends, our neighbors, to our co-workers, Lord, to the world. And we thank you and all the church says, Amen. Now, 2 Corinthians 5.10, I believe it's on the PowerPoint, says, For what we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what he is due him for the things done while in the body, 
whether good or bad. The next scripture then, Romans 14.12, says this. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. In other words, God says that every person, say every person, every person will stand before God, before God for themselves. Okay? Give me five seconds. Let's try this one. Hey, there we go. It's hot. All right, we'll have to... Let me move it up just a tad to the side. Okay, so we're all going to stand before God, right? Right? Okay, give me a second. I've got to untangle this. Because if I do it and I don't tell you about it, you're going to watch me and you're going to not hear a word I just said about how you can get a million dollars at the end of the message. And I'm just kidding about the million dollars. You have to invest. You have to work hard. Amen? To do it right. Okay, so here we go. Um, the, the scripture is very clear that every person will stand before God for their lives. What they do, what they do not do. Okay? Can you hear me? Does it need to go up? You go down. It's okay. All right, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go. All right. Let's talk about this. Perspective has a big part to play in our lives. Amen? Okay, so if you look at the stewards, there were three stewards. Their perspective affected their lives and their future. Would you agree? Okay, so now how many of you, how many of you have flown in an airplane? Okay, how many of you know what an airplane is? How many of you know where you're at today? Okay, so if you've ever flown in an airplane, again, I, I've talked about this example. Um, the pilot has, uh, he has an altimeter, right? And he, he has this thing in the plane that there's a concept called the, the attitude of the plane. And the attitude of the plane will, will determine if the plane goes down or goes up. Okay, so if the attitude of the plane is down, the plane goes down. If the attitude of the plane is up, the plane goes up. In the same sense, a human, if the attitude of a person is down... What happens? They go down. If the attitude of a person is up, they go up. Okay? And so now I wanted to show you some distinctions between the three servants that some of them had some attitude issues. Okay? And their attitude, their perspective in life affected their future. And perspective can give us confidence or it can make us fear. And so this morning I want to look at what the Word of God says because now we cannot control all the circumstances in our lives. Right? But we can, we, can, we can control our attitude towards those circumstances. Correct? Okay? And so you and I need to learn that, hey, we cannot control every circumstance, but we can control the way we react to the circumstances. True or false? Okay? So here's what God is saying. He's saying, listen, things happen. I give talents, I give gifts, and I expect you to do something with them. Now, some get more, some get less, but that's not the issue, okay? And so what's happening, we, we live in a society that, that is becoming, we're becoming uh, uh, very intellectual, we're becoming very wise in our own eyes, we have all this technology, but yet we're still lacking something. Okay, we're still lacking God, truth, and God, knowledge. And what happens is, we think we can make our own rules, and we can do our own things, and we, can think, we think we can just kind of have control of our lives. Now, in one sense, yes, you are allowed to do what you want, but it's not always good for you. Right? Right? And so sometimes now, have you ever been around a person, I've talked about this, that complains all the time? Do you ever notice that if you're around that person a long time, what happens to you? 
you start to complain. Now, on the opposite end, if you talk to someone that's generally happy, uh, they have a good outlook on life, and you hang around them often, what tends to happen to you? You begin to have a good outlook on life. Okay? And so perspective is a big difference. Now, I don't have time, but I want you to write these scriptures down. I think they're on there. Can you have the next slide? Numbers 13. Uh, write that down, unless it's in your notes already. But Joshua and Caleb and, and the ten spies, you know, you know the account here. They went in and they spied out the promised land and they saw and they came back and reported to the Israelites. Joshua and Caleb said, let's go take the promised land. It's good. It's ready to go. God will give it to us. The ten other spies said, we can't do it. And they spread a bad report. They mumbled. They complained. They griped. They did the bickering. And then what happened was, then it says, down in 14.1 14, at the very bottom, this is, it says, that night all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. And then the next scripture, Numbers 14.24, here's what it says. It says, But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. In other words, his attitude affected his future because it said all those that complained wandered in the desert for 40 years till they died off. Joshua and Caleb, because they had a different attitude in life, went into the promised land. How does that affect you, paying your bills, living your life, being married, being single? It really depends on your attitude. Amen? Okay? So here's what I want to move on. The first thing is this, and I, I repeat this often, but I want you to get this purpose. Number one, purpose is the key to life. Purpose is the key to life. Letter A, God is a God of purpose. Would you agree with that? God is a God of purpose. He is order. Uh, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created the earth and heavens, so he's a God of purpose. He had purpose in that. Then uh, Genesis 1.27-30. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. So he created us again with purpose. You see this? He made uh, male and female, he created them. Verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I will give every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. So God gave purpose in the beginning. Okay, see this? You doing all right? Okay, so even in creation there's purpose. Letter B. Without purpose, life has no meaning. You know this. Without purpose, life has no meaning. A lack of purpose means that really, ultimately, what? We're not in control of our lives. If we have no purpose, we just live our lives according to what day-to-day thing happens, what happens with the media, what happens in the world. That controls your life. Now, how many of you would you agree that life can be busy? Can I just say this to you real nice as your friend, as your pastor? Busyness is not always purpose. Right? Busyness... You can be busy doing a lot of things. Now, you, 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 you've seen me do the example. Maybe you've been to a, a, a circus or something like that, or you've seen on the TV show where there's this guy that takes these like eight or ten plates. You ever seen this? He's got a long pole. He starts spinning the plates. You ever seen this before? You're going to see it right now. Okay, just pretend. Use your imagination, okay? So this guy takes these poles and he starts spinning these plates. He does one, he does two, he does three. And what happens is he has to run back and forth. He keeps going back and forth, keeping the plates. Now, what is he doing? He's busy, right? But what is he accomplishing? Is he going forward? Is he going to work? He stands. He's just doing the same thing and he's just running back and forth. Now, sometimes you and I get stuck in a rut, right? I admit. And we just get busy with life. 
You get busy running here. You get busy doing this. You get busy with this. You get busy with this. And you begin to get off your purpose. You see what I'm saying? And the busyness of life robs you of your joy, your purpose, your plan, your God-given plan. Okay? So being busy is not necessarily a life purpose. Being busy with focus and getting something done, that's different. Amen? Are you following me? A person can be busy doing a lot of activity with no purpose. Now we see the difference here between the two good stewards and the one bad. The two good stewards put their talents to work. One did what? He hit him, right? So we saw the lack of vision. The two good stewards had vision. If I take this, I invest it, I will get a return. The poor steward says, I'm afraid, I'm going to hide it. And he got nothing for it, right? In fact, he got a lot of trouble for it, didn't he? He had no purpose. He, he, he didn't have a purpose. He didn't have a plan. Okay? Proverbs 29:18, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy to see. So let her see. Let me move on. Because I've got to move on. I want to talk about these things. Let her see. Your fulfillment in life depends on you becoming and doing your purpose. Your fulfillment in life depends on you becoming and doing your purpose. The two good stewards welcome responsibility and purpose. Do you see that? Are you with me? Do we need to read it again? Some of you are like, Pastor, would you just get on? You're, you're getting on my nerves. Good. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I want the Word to dwell in you. The two good stewards welcome responsibility and purpose. They multiplied what they had. The bad steward was, was afraid. He was afraid of responsibility and he hid the talent. You see that? He was trying to put it back on the master. Hey, I'm, I'm gonna, you gave this to me and I'm just going to put it over here. It's yours. I'm not going to do anything with that. Okay? And we see that in society. People, God gives them talents, companies give you abilities, and then we say, well, it's yours, I'm not going to do anything with it. And that's really a wrong attitude, right? You're to do, when you, get, when you have a job, when you have a purpose, when you have kids, when you're single, you have a responsibility for that. And you have to do something with it. Or you'll pay the price. So the two stewards, the good stewards were not afraid and they fulfilled, and one was not. Listen to this. Purpose gives birth to hope and instills the passion to act. Purpose gives birth to hope and instills the passion to act. Fulfillment, listen to this, please listen, this is very deep if you listen to this right now. Fulfillment in life comes from being and doing, not having. I'm going to say this again. Fulfillment in life comes from being and doing and not having. We are a society consumed with having. Would you agree with that? We want more. We need more. We, we deserve more. We have all this stuff, but we're not living life. We're not living on purpose. Well, I'm, I'm working so I can get that stuff. And that, some stuff is cool. I like stuff. I do. I enjoy sometimes watching God's football team, the Denver Broncos, when they do win, on my stuff, right? My big screen TV, right? That, but that's not purpose in life. That's just an enjoyment that I have. Purpose in life is preaching. Purpose in life is being a, trying to be a godly father to my kid, to be, trying to be a godly husband to my wife. That's purpose. Now, you have to get a job, you have to pay bills and, and all that, but that's not always purpose. That's part of life. Amen? Okay, so we have to be delivered from this having, because you see, you had the two stewards. They had what they did, right? The third steward, he had, but what? He did nothing. Right? All right. You're getting this. You're so smart. Man, you're awesome. So the master blessed the two and cursed the bad. For what they, not what they had, but what they did. 
One day we're going to stand before God, not for what we have, but for what we do. Do you understand this? It's really quiet right now. God is not going to count and ask how many, how many dollars did you have? How many hours did you spend on Facebook? He's going to ask, what did you do with the talents I gave you? How many people did you touch? Amen? Come on, amen? I love you, so I have to give you these messages because these are from the Lord. You see, the master blessed or cursed the stewards for what they did, not what they had. And this will be the same for us. Number two, each person will be accountable for their actions. Each person will be accountable for their actions. Romans 14, 12. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. What does that mean? That's pretty plain, isn't it? Every one of us are going to stand before God and give an account for our actions or lack thereof. Number, letter A, the peril of ignorance. How many of you know ignorance is not always bliss? Right? You can deny something all you want, but it doesn't always make it right. Or does it mean that it will not affect your life? You can ignorantly sit out on a beach without sunscreen in the hot 115 degree sun and say, well, I'm fine. Nothing will happen to me. I don't believe in sunburns. And what's going to happen to you? Ignorance is not bliss. Right? Are you following me? Okay, so, so the peril of ignorance is ignorance is one of the most destructive forces on this earth. Ignorance has caused many wars. It causes poverty. It causes famine. It causes fear. It causes worry. Ignorance destroys the lives of many people. Now, let me go back to the stewards. You see, the two stewards were not ignorant, but the third was ignorant. In fact, the third steward played his, he played the ignorance card and he received what he sowed. He, 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 he did not sow, so he received back something that should not have been his. The master intended that all the stewards would multiply what he gave them. He gave them talents, he gave them gifts, said do something with these, and the third one didn't. He hid it and he made an ignorant statement about his master. In Matthew 25, verses 24 through 25, listen to this. He hid the talent and he made an ignorant statement about his master. Pastor Stan, what do you mean ignorant? Just listen. Then the man who had received the one talent came, Master, he said, I I knew that you are a hard man harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. It sounds like this steward was not paying attention during the vision meeting at work. It sounds like this steward did not read the job description that was given to him. How many of you would take a job without knowing what it is? You would say, what if only fools do that, right? Some of us have done that, right? Right? Come on, are you with me? So, and so what happened was, how did the other two stewards know what to do with the money? And this one did not. Well, I didn't know. I didn't know. How, how could he not know when they worked for the same company? You know people like that at work, don't you? Don't point at them. It's, it's rude. Especially here at the church, if you, if you work with them. And you see, he used ignorance. Well, I, I, and, he, and he goes to say, well, listen, I knew you were a hard man. Where did that come from? He, he, the boss was generous. He said, here's some talents. Here's a bag of gold for you. Here's a bag of gold for you. Here's a bag of gold for you. That sounds like a, not a hard man, but a generous man, right? Do you see what I'm saying? He played the ignorance card. And he said, hey, hey, I, I, I didn't, you're a hard guy to work for, so I didn't know. I mean, the guy's giving him talents. Here, do something with this. You see, you and I cannot use ignorance when we stand before God. I didn't know what talents I had, God. My pastor never taught me. 
uh-oh, whose job is it to know about your talents? It's your job. It's your job to say, what are my talents? What are my gifts? What are my abilities? I'm to help you find them. I'm to help you use them, but it's not my job because God has already spoken to you. He, you know your talents better than I do, right? Okay? So the journey, listen, the journey of living with purpose requires a lifelong relationship with God. Let me just kind of, I, I worked for two pastors when I was an associate pastor. I was an associate pastor for seven years before I became a senior pastor. And the first two pastors I worked for, the first one was a slave driver. He was a dictator. He micromanaged. And I, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't like micromanagers. Okay? Some of you like that, but I cannot stand micromanagers. It doesn't work for me. But I worked hard for the man. I did my best. And he was always, you know, he's the one that you're in the middle of doing something. You know what I'm talking about? Like he says, okay, he'd say, uh, Stan, I need you to mop the floor in the kitchen. You're in the middle of mopping the floor. He's the guy who say, don't forget to mop the floor. You're like... Hello, Captain Obvious, right? You, I mean, you don't, you don't say that, but you want to say that. You're like, okay, I got it. You know, you're mopping the floor. You see what I'm saying? You ever work for someone like that? Are you a boss like that? Stop, please. No, I'm just, I'm just trying to... So, so, so the first boss, I mean, he told me clearly what he wanted. And, and, you know, he's like, do this. The next boss, the next church I worked for, the pastor said, okay, this is what I want you to do, and then I'm just going to let you go. Now, that's good because I'm a self-starter. But I want guidance, so I went back to him every time. And he'd give me a project. I'd say, okay, that's, that's great. What is the end thing that you want? What do you want done at the end of the project? Well, you know, so I'd have to, I'd have to draw things out of him. I'd have to ask him, what do you want? And there were a few times I did, and I just ran with it, and he didn't like it. And so I learned my lesson very well. Okay, don't do that anymore. Go to him, ask him what he wants, what is the end detail, what is the end product he wants to see, and then make it happen. Do you see what I'm saying? And so sometimes you work for a boss that they're a dictator. And they, they, I mean, they're breathing down your back. And then sometimes you work for a boss that, that's just kind of just out there. Hey, just get this done. And you are responsible to know and figure out what that is. And you know what happens? I had a relationship with both of these men. But I began to know this pastor, my second pastor. And I began, as, as I was there for five years, I began to know his heart. I began to know his desires. That per, after a while, I didn't have to ask him details all, all the time. You see what I'm saying? It's the same thing with God. As you begin to spend more time with Him... You're going to have to ask less and you're just going to know what He wants. Do you see what I'm saying? The more time you spend with God, the more you're going to know what He wants done. Amen? You're still going to go to the Word. You're still going to go to prayer. You're still going to talk to spiritual counselors. You can always come to me. I will pray with you. I will try to give you Bible, biblical counsel. But the more time you spend with God, the less ignorant you're going to be of His plan. You see what I'm saying? Are you following me? The Word of God is good. Amen? Alright, so let it be, each person will have to answer to God. Pastor, you're just repeating this. I know, because I want you to get this. Each person will have to answer to God. Each of the stewards answer to the Master. True? True? Each person will have to answer to God for the life that they lived or they did not live. Now, I know there are some of you, bless your compassionate heart, you're saying, well, the Master only gave the poor steward one, but he gave the other stewards more. That's not fair. Sounds similar? That's just not right. God, the, the stewards, well, come on, he only had one talent. Come on. These guys, they were rolling in the gold. Come on. That's not fair. Right? You hear that today? That's just not fair. We're going to take it from these guys and we're going to give it to this poor guy over here. I guarantee you give it to this poor guy, he's going to do the same thing. Because he did not learn stewardship in his life. 
I know I just crossed a political line. Some of you don't like that. <laughs> Every person on this earth is going to stand before God and they're going to answer for God for their life. Amen? Are you following me? God's not going to ask me how Bill Gates did with his money. Amen? He's not going to ask you how Stan Nelson did his ta- with his talents. He's going to ask you about your talents and gifts. Amen? He's not going to ask you about Barack Obama. He's not going to ask you about George Bush. Hello? He's going to ask you about you. What did you do with the things I gave you? Well, Bill Gates had millions and billions and billions. I had $10. That's not fair. He's going to say, I don't care. It doesn't matter the amount. What did you do with that? Well, I hit it. I bought Starbucks. <laughs> I hope somebody... And he'll say, well, do you know Bill Gates took all that money he earned and he gave a lot of it away. Wait a minute, Pat. Okay, I'll, I'll move on. Let me move on. God is not going to ask you about Bill Gates or Stan Nelson. He's going to ask you about you. So now let me move on. Are you doing all right? Let me now move on to the top ten distinctions. And as you already caught it, you're smart, you're wise, you're intelligent. We're not finishing this today. We're going to do some today and next week we're going to finish the, the last part of the top ten things that this distinguishes between winners and whiners, okay? God said you are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Amen? We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. God wants you to win in everything that you put your hands to. He wants you to prosper. And it's not always about billions of dollars. He wants you to prosper in all things. Amen? And so listen to what God is going to say. Look, let's be reminded of the stewards. Let's be reminded of Joshua and Caleb. Okay? Number three, the top ten distinctions between winners and whiners Number, letter A, distinction 10, winners take responsibility, whiners play the victim. Now, please, do, please, don't, please hear me. There are victims in our society. There are people that are, that are they need help. And that's part of why we need to be winners. The church is to help people move from whiners to winners. Amen? That's what God did. Jesus came to help people move from being whiners to becoming winners. He pulled them out of destruction into a life of purpose. Do you see what I'm saying? And so if you and I get caught up in this world system and all we think is it's not fair, it's not fair, I don't have this because so-and-so has that, then you're going to stand before God one day and say, what did you do with what I gave you? Well, I complained. What did the, steward, what did the master say to the steward that did do nothing? That did nothing. Get out of here. Scary, isn't it? Here we go. How many of you know life doesn't always go according to plan? There's some of you that are type A. And you have, I mean, you've got every 30 seconds of your life, you've got it all lined up. I mean, if I, if I could look at your Blackberry or your iPhone or your calendar, you have everything lined out. How many of you know sometimes everything being lined up still doesn't happen the way you want it? Right? And it, it just drives you crazy. Now, some of us were like, hey, whatever, que sera, sera, you know. And, and now, that, that's not good either. Because you're just going to be driven along by whatever happens in the world. So here it is. Winners take responsibility. Whiners play the victim. We have choices on how we're going to act or react. We have choices how, how we react to things. Okay, Winners know always, winners know that they always have choices and they take responsibility for them. Whiners believe their choices are controlled by someone else. I'm going to say this again. Winners know 
They always have choices and they, and they take responsibility for them. Whiners believe their choices are controlled by someone else. Let me throw this at you. Let me, let me just throw this at you. While you can let someone else control your choices, isn't that a choice? Right? I mean, if we're going to blame someone else for our lives, that's a choice. We're allowing them to control our lives. Is that true or false? You see what I'm saying? So you have a choice. You can allow someone to rule your life and run your life, or you can say, you know what? I'm going to take control of my life with God's help, and I'm going to do something. Amen? You see, whiners play the victim card and blame others for their circumstances. If only, and they'll say things like this, if only they had done this, or if only they hadn't done that, my life would be different. We've all done that. We've all said that. I've said that. I've done that. And as I begin to read the Word and as I begin to draw closer to God, God helps me realize I can't always blame someone else's for my actions. Again, remember, it is my choice to, to allow them to be in charge of my life or to allow myself, through God, to live my life. Amen? You see, taking responsibility is the first step towards growth. Whining, listen, whining is the fruit of negative thinking. Winners choose to be winners. And you think that, that, what? Yeah, winners choose to say, I'm going to win. I'm going to find a way to win. Winners take responsibility for the thoughts and feelings and actions that produces circumstances, usually better in their lives. Whiners let others control their thoughts and then they blame others. Do you see what I'm saying? They put their hands in someone else's life by doing nothing and then they sit back and say, because of you, my life is this way. Do you grasp that? That's not going to wash with God. You can say that all you want on the earth, but that's not going to wash with God. He's going to say, what did you do with the talents I gave you? Are you following me? Letter B, distinction number nine. Winners can have what they want. Winners what, want what they cannot have. Winners can have what they want. Winners want what they cannot have. So the question is for us, what do you want? What do you want in life? And the next question is, are you willing to pay the price to get it? Are you willing to pay the price to get it? You see, the two stewards, the two good stewards, they paid the price, right? They worked. They went out. They invested. They found some, they found some good uh, investment things or they went to the right bank or they did, they did the right business. They multiplied. The one steward, what did he do? He buried it. He didn't work. He buried I mean, well, he passed in. He had, to, he had to dig a hole. I mean, that takes a lot of work for about five minutes. Okay, and the other stewards, they, they, I'm sure they checked, you know, like you, some of you guys, you're checking your stocks right now. There's stock market that doesn't work today. It's Sunday, right? You know, so, so, so they, they made something happen. The foolish steward did not take the time to invest. Sometimes, you know, the sometimes hard work is part of the price to get what you want. Right? We are a society that wants everything for free or cheap and we want it today or yesterday. Sometimes some things just don't come that fast. How many of you like to microwave roast beef? Anybody? How many of you like microwave meat? You ever taken chicken, raw meat, and you microwave it? What happens to it? It's tough. Now what happens, on the other hand, if you take that beef or that chicken or that pork or whatever you eat, that tofu, well, tofu you can't, and you just slow cook it, and you put your, your special you know, herbs and spices and juices on there. What happens after a while? You're getting hungry, aren't you? It slowly cooks. You work it and the investment. And then what happens? Yum. <laughs> In your life, it's the same thing. You, you put, you invest, you work, 
you work hard, you do things, you just keep putting things away, you, you just, and over time, good things happen. If you want someone always to feed you, you want microwave stuff, you're, you're not, you're not going to be satisfied with life. Amen? So winners know when to press on. Listen, winners know when to press on and they know when to let go. Whiners press on until the first obstacle, then they quit. Whiners press on until the first obstacle, then they quit. Whiners believe others should provide for them. Did you hear what I just said? Whiners believe that others should provide for them. The entitlement mentality is very dangerous and leads whiners to self-pity. Whiners are critical because they are not willing to pay the price for success for themselves. It's always someone else's fault. We all fall into that trap, right? We do. It's always someone else's fault. We've got to stop doing that and say, okay, how is my life? How are we as a church doing? How are we as a nation doing? How are we as humans doing on this earth? Are we working together? Are we going to stop blaming each other and make things happen? Amen? Winners pay the price. Even they're willing to accept criticism for paying the price. They're willing to say, you know what, you can say and laugh at all that you want. Can you imagine when Noah was building the ark, the criticism, the laughter? You remember that? And what happened at the end? He survived. The others didn't. Winners pay the price, even willing to accept criticism. Winners don't worry about what others think, okay? Whiners can't have what they want because they have a lack of discipline, they have low self-esteem, and often they have a lack of service, willing to help other people. It's all about them. Just what can, I, what can you do for me? What can you do for me? Winners are successful because they only, they only, they know, let me say this again, I've got to read it because I get it right. Winners are successful because they not only know what they want, but they are clear on why they want it. They know what they want and they know why and they, they, live, they live their life. You must pay to get what you want in life. Amen? Come on, it's true, right? According to Matthew chapter 25, whiners usually want the wrong things for the wrong reasons. Galatians 6, 7-9, through 9, I'm almost getting down to the end. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man or person reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from, that, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You reap what you sow. Amen? Because every one of us are going to stand before God for our lives. Distinction number eight. Distinction number eight. Are you doing okay? Winners find a way. Whiners find excuses. Right? Henry Ford once said, if you think you can or think you can't, you're right. That was deep. Wasn't that deep? Henry Ford said, if you think you can or think you can't, you're right. You see, whiners continue to find excuses for two reasons. Number one is because things get tough. And then for number two, because they don't believe they can prevail. So we want to help whiners. We, you don't want to beat up whiners. You don't, we want to help whiners become winners. Amen? And if you're a little whiny, God wants to help you not be so whiny. Right? Right? We're all whiners. I whine about things at times. But it takes a winner to keep on going, even when things go wrong, even when things don't go as planned. A winner sees setback as a way to learn something new. A whiner doesn't. A whiner will just give up. Okay, a winner, they're resolved to find a way because they believe there is a way. Remember now, the two stewards, they found a way. They invested. The third steward did not. 
Joshua and Caleb said, we can take the promised land. The other ten spies said we couldn't. And they, were, they continued to believe and they found the reward of going to the promised land. The others and their families did not. Winners feed their faith and starve their fears. Winners feed their faith and starve their fears. Whiners find an excuse because they don't have a vision for their lives. You see the difference? When you go from whining, you, you, just, you don't know what you want. You don't know where you're at. But a winner says, you know what? That bad thing happened to me. I'm going to go forward. Get a vision. Amen? Vision empowers you to find a way. Vision, a God-given vision will empower you to find a way. A lack of vision causes you to find an excuse every time. Winners say, I can't see it, so I don't believe it. I'm sorry, whiners say, I can't see it, so I don't believe it. Listen, I'll say it again. Whiners say, I can't see it, so I don't believe it. Winners say, I believe it, that's why I can see it. A winner says, I believe it, that's why I can see it. Winners can see beyond where they're at and they can see the victory later on. Isn't that cool? Vision is internal and it, eternal and it is seeing through the eyes of faith. Saying, okay, now maybe most of you remember Walt Disney, of course. Um, how many of you Walt Disney? Remember Walt Disney? Some of you hate Disney. Some of you are okay. Some of you like, you, you love Disney. Walt Disney had, had vision and his vision for Disneyland and Disney World were not fulfilled until after he died. And so when, when they were building, when they were completing Disneyland, and uh, they're talking, to, you know, someone was talking to the spouse of Walt Disney and said, too bad your husband wasn't here to see it. And he said, no, my husband saw this. That's why it's here. You see that? See, a winner says, okay, I see the future. I see the possibilities. The whiner says, I, I can't see it. So I can't do anything about it. You see the difference? Helen Keller, and most of you should know who Helen Keller is. She said this, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight, but no vision. The only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. Let me move on to distinction number seven as we're getting down to the end. Distinction number seven. Winners brighten a room by entering. Winners brighten a room by entering. Winners brighten a room by leaving. Now that's mean, right? Come on. Be nice. I thought this was a church. But it's true, isn't it? Come on. Winners brighten a room by entering it. Winners brighten a room by leave when they leave. I mean, isn't it true winners energize people? Don't you like to be around people that they're finding a way to win? They're excited about all the time. Now, everyone gets down. Everyone gets tripped up. Everyone complains. I know that. But winners get back up. And it feels good to be in their presence. But now, whiners, on the other hand, they're like emotional vampires, right? And you get in a, you get in a room with whiners. I mean, you're like, they, they just suck the life out of you, right? And I don't know about you, but and I'm not trying to be mean. I'm always trying to help people. But if I get around whiners long enough, I'm looking for an exit. If they're constantly latching on to me and you know, sucking me like, oh, I'm like, i got to get out of here. Do you see the difference? And so in life, we either we're winners and we're helping people or we're whiners and we're always sucking life out of people. Do you see what I'm saying? Now, there are times when you get down and someone needs to help you out. Someone needs to encourage you. Someone needs to lift you up at times. But you've got to move to the point point. I'm going to be a winner. I'm a winner. God will give me a way to find a way to win. Amen? Have you ever noticed that, that winners attract other winners? Right? Winners attract other winners while whiners cluster with other whiners. Is this true or not? Have you seen the... I mean, you, you see it. Winners cluster together. Whiners cluster together. And it's really true. Birds of a feather flock together, right? 
And so if you want to move from being a whiner, you've got to leave that whining flock, right? And you've got to hang out with winners. Now let me give you a little word of caution. If you're constantly whining around winners, they're going to probably say, you know what, you need to go. I mean, they're going to try to help you. Winners want people to win, so they try to help you. But if you're always whining, uh, I mean, they're going to confront you with truth, and if you're not going to get over it, they're going to say, you know what, you, you just need to hang out somewhere else. God bless you, but it's not working. You see what I'm saying? So if you want to change your, our whining, I don't want to blame you for whining, because I know I do it, we've got to change who we hang out with sometimes. And we've got to say, God, help me with my attitude. Amen? How many of you know that complaining can become addictive? It's, it's easier to complain than it is a compliment, isn't it? Come on, you sit in a metro, you ask someone how they're doing, generally like, yeah, I'm doing okay. And you, and then you get past where they start bad, right? You guys at coffee breaks, do you just start talking how bad the company is, right? How bad the boss is? How bad the coworkers are? How bad the government is? How bad the church is, right? How bad the pastor is? Right? How bad the board is? You see what I'm talking about? Complaining is it's addictive. But what does the Bible say? The Bible says this. Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brothers, whatsoever is true, whatsoever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Do you see that? When you get around a bunch of whiners and they start pulling you down, you say, Okay, Lord, cleanse my mind and I'm going to hang out with some winners. Amen? Here's a challenge. I want to challenge all of us. Okay, listen to this. Here's a, this is a big challenge. I want to challenge you to do your best with God's help not to complain for the next 10 days. Try not to complain with God's help for the next 10 days. And if you fail, then start over. Seriously. If you walk out of here saying, Pastor's message really bugged me, and then you just, you've got to start over again. <laughs> the government bugs me. Start over. My sports team, my kids, my, my family, blah, blah. Start over. And say, God, help me to stop whining and complaining. Help me to speak life into people's lives. Amen? Help me to look for the good and not the bad. You see, whiners always look at the bad. Winners say there's always good. Amen? We're going to find a way. We're going to do something good. Winners focus on walking in the light. They're appreciative and they focus more on the good than the bad. They choose to focus on God's goodness and blessings while whiners see bad and all and they are not grateful. And you know what? I'm going to just be honest with you. Sometimes in lives, we don't get stuff because we're always griping and complaining and we're ungrateful. And I don't know about you, but I get tired of ungrateful people. And I try to teach my kids, if you whine and complain all the time, there's a simple solution. I can take things from you that we give you. Right? I mean, teenagers, your iPad or iPod didn't grow on a tree. Mom and Dad paid for it, unless you paid for it, Right? The food that's in the refrigerator, that hard work your mom and, does, mom and dad do to put that food on the table, that just, they didn't just open up the closet and it was full. Right? We're eating this again? At least you got something to eat, right? So you parents understand what I'm talking about, right? Do this again? Are you going to clean the dishes? You know, there are people that are starving and they're hoping to find something to, to eat that day. My friends have the latest Uggs. You don't buy me Uggs. <sighs> right? Stop complaining. Look at the goodness that you have. You have is good. Amen? If you got food, then that's good. You got some kind of raiment, some kind of clothes. You should be happy. Amen? 
There are people that are shoeless. They're, they have no shoes, no coats, no jackets, no place to They're struggling every day just to find food. And here we have a, a plethora, an overabundance of food and electronic devices. And there's always a better electronic device. There's always a better game, right? There's always a better car. There's always a better house. There's always a better job. There's always a better hairdo. You just cannot win against that. Amen? So stop griping about what you don't have and start being grateful for what you do have. Amen? That's good preaching. Amen? You see, the stewards, the two good stewards said, okay, God's given us these things. We're going to do the best we can. The bad steward was given this and he's like, gosh, they got them and they got this. Do you see what I'm talking about? Are you going to be a winner or are you going to be a whiner? When you stand before God, are you going to say, God, I did the best with what you had me or are you going to stand over here and gripe and complain? And I don't know about you, but the Scripture is very clear about it. It says the winners did take all. The whiner did not gain at all. He lost out. And every one of us is going to stand before God. And I hope that your focus is on good. Would you stand with me this morning as we're preparing to finish? How are you living today? How is your life? Are you a winner or are you a whiner? Will you be like the good stewards and do something good with what God has given you? Or will you whine and complain about what God has given you? You see, every one of us, God has given you lots of things in life. It may not be what you've, God's given me or, or what's given your neighbor or your friend or your, your brother or sister, your whatever. You've got to stop looking at their race and run your race. Amen? Live the life God's called you to live and stop blaming God for their lives. Amen? I want to pray. Father, would you just allow us not to be swayed by the mentality of the world? And we, we love all people, God. We, we want the best for every person. But Father, let us not be swayed into this it's always someone else's fault mentality. And Lord, it, it does. That really gets on my nerves. I know I do it sometimes. I know I whine sometimes, Lord. So I repent of my whining. I, re, I repent of, of when I get critical of others or I, I judge them for their life.